0: We're going to be in Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter 24. If you'll be finding that in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to um, look at a, I think, a very fascinating passage of scripture. I love the Proverbs, and I hope that you read them regularly. Um, They're not only written by the wisest man who lived. But they're divinely inspired of God. They're part of the Scripture, and so they're great. It's great wisdom for us. We're gonna we're gonna read a couple of verses in Proverbs 25. And uh, let's stand together, and we're gonna look at verse 21 and verse 22. Proverbs chapter. Did I say 25? Is 24. Proverbs 24. I'm sorry. Proverbs 24, verse 21. My son. Fear thou the Lord and the King and meddle not with them that are given to change for their calamity shall rise suddenly and who knoweth the ruin of them both? So like many of the Proverbs, they're just nuggets of wisdom from God uh, to us through his writer, through Solomon, through his word. And um, I want to read it again. Let's just think about this verse, then we're going to dig into it in a moment. My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change, for their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? And let's pray. Father, please bless tonight as we study your word together. Open our eyes, our hearts. Help us to embrace your truth. Thank you that it's not only truth, factual, but it's also practical. And we pray that we could apply it to our life in a way that would not only please you, but would be a blessing to others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, this is like a warning. There are a lot of warnings in Proverbs, and this is one of them. Uh, he says, fear fear thou the Lord and the King. There are many, many warnings in Proverbs. There are several. I'll just mention a couple of them here in this particular chapter. Look in verse 1, for instance. Proverbs 24, 1. Be not thou envious. This is a, a, just an emphatic statement. Be not thou envious against evil men. Neither desire to be with them, for their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. The great piece of wisdom, a little further into the proverb, this particular chapter. Look in verse 19: Fret not thyself because of evil men; neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. Just biblical, practical wisdom, and uh, many of these. And Look in in, verse 23. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor abhor him. But to them that rebuke him shall be a delight, and a good blessing shall come upon them. Don't you just love the Proverbs? I mean, these are things we can use in our life. And uh, we need to read them and. And study them. So here's here he's warning us in verse 21 about those who are given to change. That's the phrase in the Bible, "given to change." And it begins though with a with a respect that people should have in verse 21. Verse 21: Fear thou the Lord and the king. Two separate um, words of instruction. But about the same thing. First of all, we're to fear God. What does it mean to fear, fear God? We need to know what it means to fear God. Amen. It's a wholesome, reverential honor of God. You know, when Moses um, stood before that burning bush, and he was told to take, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground, It wasn't holy ground because it was sand, special sand in the desert. It was holy ground because God was there. We're to to fear God. We're to develop a wholesome, healthy reverence for God. Uh, The fear of God is a dread of displeasing Him. We don't want God to be displeased with us. It's an awareness of His presence, awareness of His position, and a desire to please Him. But we're also to fear the King. It says in verse 21... Fear the king. We're to respect and honor those that are in positions of leadership and authority. This doesn't mean we agree with everything they say. We're, we don't, we're not really always fearing the person. We're fearing the position that they're in. You know, there, there are very few things, as a matter of fact, very, 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 very few things that our, president, our current president does that I would approve of, that I would agree with, and I think that's true of many people that are here, but I'll tell you when i sometimes when I hear people on the news or hear people on radio or hear people that degrade uh, what the president does or about the president use i'm talking I'm not just talking about saying I disagree with him, but it just causes me to cringe a bit. Because God says that we're to honor that position. We don't honor the person necessarily, but we honor the position. You know, when Paul was speaking in the book of Acts uh, against the high priest, he didn't know it was the high priest, but he spoke against the high priest, and they said, don't you know who you're talking to, basically? The high priest? And Paul quoted... This is a good thing to think about. Paul quoted from the book of Exodus and said this. I did not, He says, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. That's what he said. He said, Paul said, you know, by the way, this is just a good reminder. Again, I, I, find, I feel impressed just to say this frequently. For those of you or people who are watching who don't really think the Old Testament matters, it mattered to Paul. He quoted from it. Amen. And if it matters to Paul and it mattered to Jesus, he quoted from it. If, you, if you're of the mindset that you don't really need that, you, you're mistaken. You really need to adjust and correct your thinking. And so he quoted and said, you're not to speak evil of the ruler of the people. So this, this, this uh, two verse little nugget of wisdom here in Proverbs 24 begins by saying, fear the Lord, fear thou the Lord and the king, hold reverence for them. And then he says, meddle not with them that are given to change. Now he's not talking them there, he's not talking about the the king and the Lord. We know that because the Lord is never going to change. I am the Lord, I change not. But he says we're to not meddle with those who are given to change. People who are given to change are people who are always wanting to change everything. Um, There are many applications of this in our society, in our culture. For instance, and people do want to change everything. I'm not saying you want to, but I'm saying people in our culture want to change everything, including things that made this country great. Um, there are people who want to expand the Supreme Court. They want to make it more of a political body. They want to make it so whenever whoever the majority is in power, they can stack the court. So if there's the, the Republicans were in power, they could add, Five more, they could stack the court, put more chief justice or justices of the Supreme Court. If the Democrats are there, they ought to. But you know what? This system of this constitutional form of government has worked since the, this country was birthed. And but some people just want to change everything about it. When our founding fathers, by the way, this is not about politics or our country or history. It's just an illustration or an application. When our founding fathers formed this country, they believed that there were certain unalienable rights. That means they're God-given rights. And one of those is the right to life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And now people want to say that we ought ought to be able to choose whether we want somebody to live or not. Maybe you ought to, you know, the only person you ought to be able to choose about living is... Is you And you really, you shouldn't. God ought to make that choice. But people want to change everything. That's the whole point. The Bible says, Meddle not with them that are given to change. And the same thing is happening in the matter of doctrine and belief. Um, I, I I read something the other day that just so caught my attention. I was looking through. We get these magazines here at the church, religious magazines. And I was looking through this religious magazine to see for something I could preach about. (laughs) And I found this ad right here, an ad for a book. Now, this is in a purely religious magazine. Here's the title of the book, Heavy Burdens. Sounds interesting. And on the front of the book is a subtitle, Seven Ways LGBTQ Christians... Experience harm in the church. It's a book about how LGBTQ Christians Christians are being hurt by the church. A whole book devoted to that subject. And um, it's it's a it's about I was intrigued by this. It's about the way churches have damaged their members who are. Lesbians or gay or bisexual or transsexual. The Q is queer. That's the word that they use. It's about how churches are hurting their members that have these sexual preferences. And I'm talking about how people just want to change everything. The whole point is the Bible is very clear. Meddle not with them that are given to change. And there's no mistake about it, those sexual choices are sinful. They're sinful. We're not... God is the one that made these choices. I mean, God made a clear... clearly records in the Bible what's right and what's wrong. Now, let me say this, and I, I'm, I want to be careful about this because I don't want to be misunderstood, but I think we ought to be careful that our attitudes toward these kind of lifestyles are not hateful and abusive because sinners need the mercy of God sinners need the grace of God but this person that wrote this book I, I was looking today out of curiosity about some stuff about the author and about what people said about this book I mean people even, the, even college seminaries where they're training theologians are praising this book and just to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding anything, I looked at an interview that this author had with a person, and basically they, this author summarized this book by saying the church um, must, you know, care for all, even their members who are LGBTQ. Now that's a radical position. I think you'd agree with that. But what I'm saying is, it embodies the kinds of changes that are taking place in our society, in our culture. It's an illustration. And to, and to top it off, that this book was advertised in a Christian magazine. That, you say, you've got to be making this up. This is, this is stranger than fiction. It really is. So, that's the, that's the society we live in, given to change. And some changes are good. And some changes, I think, are really neither good nor bad. But some changes are very unhealthy. And so what the Bible is warning us in this passage about is those who are always wanting to change. Change just for change's sake. Change because it would... You know, people, just, people have... and The... the um. The younger you are, the more you may have struggled with this. But people seem to have this desire or this attitude that if it's old, it must need improving. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of the attitude they have. Well, there's got to be a better way. And I realize that I'm old-fashioned, incurably old-fashioned. You know, in Acts chapter seventeen, this is not exactly what they were talking about. But in Acts seventeen, Paul was uh, there on Mars Hill in, in Greek, in Athens, Greece, and he made this comment about the the Athenians, those people from Athens. They spend their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. They just that's what they thrive on. Tell us something we've never heard before. Now I want to tell you, and I'm not, I'm kind of. Just lay, this is all kind of uh, laying a foundation, but um, young person, just try to think with me about this tonight. If a person is just given to change, if, if they just want to change everything, then there's a good possibility that there are no limits to the things they want to change. That's what's happening in our country. If we change here, if we change this, we're not going to be satisfied with that. But we'll change this so next week we'll change that. And next year we'll change that. And then in five years we'll change that. I had a... I wasn't going to tell this tonight. But I had a very one of the most interesting conversations I've had in a while. I had Monday. Uh, I was burning leaves on our property. And... Um, I was over back by the fence line, and I just happened to see out of the corner of my eye, and there was a fella come walking out of the woods toward me, big guy, much taller than me, broad, big, probably 75 pounds heavier than me, and he spoke with a real strong Bosnian accent. He said he's from St. Louis, and I asked him, you know, what part of St. Louis? And he said, Bevo Mills, and I, I said, you know, I talked to him about Bosnians down there. We had a long conversation, but the first thing he said to me was, "This you're gonna. This is. I'll never forget this." He said, "Did you see a black goat come through here following a white dog?" <laughs> I said, "No, I can't say that I did." <laughs> and he pulled out his phone and he had a picture of it, and it was a a video. It was sure enough. It was a black dog. I mean a black goat, black and white goat following a big fluffy haired, big white, snow white dog. By the way, some people saw it on the internet, people took pictures of it, but but I got in this conversation with this guy about spiritual things. But before we got to the spiritual things, he he's he, he's been here for 20 years and he talked about this is turning into more of a political message than I intended. <laughs> he talked about, he came from Bosnia, he spent time in Turkey, and he talked about how this country, is being destro- this country is being destroyed from within. And he said, people in this country don't see what's happening, but they're just changing one thing after another. And he got off, he got off, you think I get up on a soapbox, he got off on a soapbox about people who want to get paid and they don't want to work and all this kind of stuff. But I did get to share the gospel with him about three different times. We just kept going around about the gospel, and he heard a lot about Jesus. He made the mistake of saying, I believe all religions are really, if they'll just be true to their religions, I think they're all right. And I said, well, I, I said, Jesus don't agree with you. So he didn't have his gun on him, but he was a, he was a hunter, actually. He'd gotten permission to hunt out there. But the point is, that's how things change. And young people, young people, I know that uh, you haven't seen as much of these changes as some of us have, but I'm telling you, uh, we're in a heap of trouble. Not just in America, but in Christianity. When this kind of stuff flies for Christian beliefs, we're in a big, big trouble. And um, changes ought to be deliberate. Changes ought to be calculated. Changes ought to be justified. And for Christians, they ought to be biblical. Something, just because I said this earlier, but some, just because something's old doesn't mean it needs to be improved. Keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. God, if you could take your mind back, not just 100 years, not just a thousand years, not just a trillion years, if you could take your mind back a hundred trillion years, no matter how far back you go, God is exactly today like He was then. God has not changed. That's true. So, some changes are not good or bad. And some changes are really good and some changes are really bad for instance smartphones I was one of the last people I was one of the last people in my family to get a phone one of these kind of phones not a smartphone just a flip phone but you know that's that's neither good nor bad automatic transmissions I, pref- I prefer a standard but that automatic transmissions are not bad I was just telling my wife the other day driving down the road I said you know I really still believe that the high beam switch on the floorboard Makes more sense than on the on the steering column, but I can live with it. But I don't think it was that. So it's not either good nor bad. I would just preferred the other way. By the way, if if I when I bought my truck, if I could have bought a truck without electric windows, I would have. That's just me. I I you know they don't break down as much. I mean, you just say you don't. You live from another world. No, I just I live in this world. I just. But those are changes that are not bad or good some of them and some changes are good yesterday give you a good example yesterday we needed some paper to finish print some more of these Christmas tracks so yesterday Tracy ordered the paper sitting at her desk she ordered the paper and um, today a man brought it to the door. That's pretty good, isn't it? And got the cheap, and without any postage paid, 24 hours later, free, they brought it. And that's not a bad chance. Who would have thought that? Jim, who would have thought that? I mean, people could do that, that without getting in your car, going and buying. I'm just saying things have, things have changed. My parents would never have imagined that. But some changes don't matter that much. As far as I can remember, I've never preached in this church or any church without a white shirt. You may have never noticed that. And the reason is I've got a Bible verse that I'd like to share with you. I've never thought it was spiritual. I never thought it was biblical. I just made that choice. I was, today I wore a, white, a black shirt to the office and I thought about wearing it tonight just to see if anybody would notice it. <laughs> the point is, changes, all change don't really matter. You know, someone visits our church, I don't tell them you have to wear a white shirt. I'm just saying, some changes don't really matter. But some changes really do matter. Uh, 34 or so years ago, after the process of educating our church family, for weeks and weeks and weeks about why I didn't think we should be a Southern Baptist church, we decided to pull the plug on our relationship to the Southern Baptist Convention. And that, that was not a decision that was made lightly by me or by our church. And there are reasons for that. You know. I, and we went over those things in our church. Liberalism in the Southern Baptist Convention. We're giving our money. We were giving our money. I said this to our church. We're giving our money to the cooperative program that is funding the salaries of people at Missouri Baptist College who do not believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I had a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? So we, we went through all that. and that, So there's a change. And uh, there are many reasons we pulled out of the convention. But I think that was a change for the better. I'm just saying, don't, just because we change something occasionally doesn't mean we're given to change. Meddle not with them they're If are always Here's what Paul said about this subject in doctrine. He said they're blown about by every wind of doctrine. Just every, every other day or every week or month or year, they're always changing. And we see that all over our country in, in religious circles. Some changes are not good. Hebrews says, be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines. Jude said this during the first century earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. He already said the faith that was delivered, we need to be working and striving and fighting and whatever we have to do to preserve that faith. Why? Because all change is not good. If it changes something in the Bible, it's not good. You don't these people didn't find anything anything they're believing in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I'm not being that's not a hate speech. Just saying God has given us a guideline. And so it's concerning to me. It's really concerning to me. I, my wife and I talked to a pastor and his wife last night at great length because, just because they're just struggling in the ministry, and I can relate to him. I can say, you know, I, we have we've had the same similar or same or similar situations. It, it breaks a pastor's heart when people who have been taught sound doctrine about the Bible, about the church, about whatever, and they just walk away from it like it never even mattered. These aren't our opinions. these are, these. are the, It's the Word of God. If God says something's wrong, it's wrong. If God says something's right, it's right. And I'm glad that God speaks very clearly about many of these things that we need to know about. So I'm just saying we ought to be careful about change. But every change is not... Bad. Every change is not something negative. And one of the reasons I'm sharing this is because uh, in about three or four weeks, we're going to close out this year, and we're going to begin a new year. And I think that's a great time for thinking about positive changes in our life. I think, that, I think it's kind of an inventory time, a time of evaluation. And I know many people in our church know how I feel about this. and But we ought to think about our lives. We ought to think about our priorities. Maybe we should make some changes in our life. Maybe some things we've changed we ought to reevaluate and say, was that a positive change? Was that a good change? Does that change help me spiritually? Has it helped me draw closer to God? And so I just want to, I want to charge you and challenge you tonight just to be thinking about that, to think about it in your own life. I'm not talking about just making changes that don't matter, but... Changes about your Bible, maybe your Bible reading schedule. Maybe you could do better. Maybe we would do it different. Maybe our, you know, our financial management, our stewardship, you know, all those kind of things. We we live in a very uncertain time, but we live in a blessed place. We live in a very blessed place, and God has given us a lot of blessings here in this country, and we ought to be using them for His glory and using them to get the gospel out. We ought to think about our Christian service and think about witnessing. Maybe, you know, if I was sitting here tonight and I never give out a gospel track and I never talk to a person about Christ or it's, or it's not a part of my routine to think about people and their spiritual condition, I would want to, be, want to be saying, I need to change some things in my life. You can't change things in my life. I can't change things in your life. But the Bible changes us, the Bible wants to change us. Well, think about our stewardship of time all the time that we spend doing things that maybe don't really matter. they're not really helping the kingdom of God they're not really helping our families they're not really helping our spiritual growth. you know time is a precious resource we need to use it wisely. so change is not bad, but those that are given to change you know and i'm not I'm not naming names or organizations or anything else, but people come to my mind that I've watched over the course of, you know, 20 or 30 years who just changed, differ this, doing this, and they're doing that and they're doing that. I'm talking about preachers. I'm talking about churches. I'm talking about whatever. And I think we need to be very careful about that. Meddle not, the writer of Proverbs says, with them that are given to change for their calamity shall rise suddenly and who knoweth the ruin of them both. So, I pray to God that we would be wise about our stewardship of our time, our spiritual gifts, how we I just, every it's just to me like the handwriting is on the wall that this whole world is preparing. I'm not saying it's happening in my lifetime. I'm not saying it's happening in your lifetime. But I'm just saying the whole world is on a fast track to a global society, a global government, a, and a takeover of personal rights. And, and I'll tell you, I'm, I don't think the answer is political. I think it's spiritual. We need to be seeking God and doing what we can to help people hear the gospel. Amen. Amen. Let's have prayer, and then I'm going to have a few minutes just to talk about about some things, okay? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for letting us live in this generation, letting us live in this period of time. God, you know us. You know me. There's a part of me that if I could, I would turn back the clock, back to a day when before all of these innovations and inventions have just brought about some negative changes in lives and children in our culture and I know it's not a phone or a tablet or that changes us but it's what we do with them that does but I know, Lord, it's not your will, nor could I ever turn time back, but I want to I make the most of our time now. God, would you help us? Help, help us as parents and grandparents. Help us, Lord, to have wisdom and discernment. God, help us to recognize the changes that would be beneficial for our families, that would be beneficial for our spiritual growth but help us also to recognize the changes that are hindering, that could be the demise of the spiritual progress that you want us to have and what you want to have in our lives. God, I pray for that. We do pray for our country tonight. Lord, you know we're just heartbroken about where we are. But we're reminded that the Word of God says that in the last days, Perilous times will come, and evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Father, it sure looks to us like we're living in those days. So I pray that, God, you'd help us as believers to be diligent, to be vigilant, to be serious about our walk with you, about our stewardship of our life. We pray for that. While our heads are bowed this evening and while folks are praying, would you just take a moment and pray? You know, pointing out the problems in culture and society in itself doesn't really help except it just makes us aware and it warns us. We can't change everybody else but we are responsible to change our own lives to be what God wants us to be